Welcome to Crazy Little Thing Called Marriage. I'm Greg. I'm Erin. We've been married for almost 31 years. We're both marriage counselors and we lead the marriage team here at Focus on the Family. Greg, today's topic is so important because everyone, every marriage has ups and downs in their relationship, including us. We need to be able to find ways to strengthen it because we will go through rough seasons. There's, It's not a matter of if, but when. And really being intentional to strengthen our marriage, I mean, that, that's helping us to build the right kind of foundation that can bear these hard seasons that we're going to go through together. I know for us, early on in our marriage, we, we just, I know things were strained. We weren't doing well. A dear friend of ours, older, wiser, married gentleman, just said, hey, you guys, listen, take take the day off from work and school. And you guys just head up in the mountains of Colorado where we were living and just enjoy mm-hmm. each other. Yeah. And he gave us one rule. Don't talk about any hot topics. No conflict. Just enjoy each other. And uh, one of us followed the rule <laughs> and one of us did not. So Aaron got us into this huge conflict. Now, I'm, I'm guessing the, not one person yeah, believes I'm, that. I'm more the rule breaker. Now, I didn't mean to get us into conflict. I just tried to be funny around a very sensitive topic in our marriage. And that escalated. You got really frustrated. We we tried sort of repairing mm-hmm. it. It didn't work at all to where you were so mad at me. You're staring now out the side window as I'm driving. Yeah, so you're not even looking. Out, out the window, not looking at you, not wanting to look at you, wanting to really pretend that you weren't even there. <laughs> so we were now in the middle of nowhere up in the mountains of Colorado. I drove around on a dirt road and so I kind of went around this big, huge rock and had to slam on the brakes because I almost ran smack into a horse. And so I just thought that was interesting. Mm. I tried getting you to notice this. You're so mad at me. You're still staring out the, the side window. And so this big horse, you know, I pull up next to him, roll my window down to tell this horse, you got to move. And instead he, he puts his head in our car as, you know, we're talking, you know, what do we do this thing? Well... He ends up like wanting what we'd been eating, which, you know, those Funyuns, those little onion ring looking, you know, potato chippy kind of kind of snack. And so he ends up wanting he eats one of those, but it happened to be the one that was on my lap. So, I mean, you got to imagine this, this huge horse, you know, leans down and, and chomps the Funyun that was sitting in my lap. So all I know is excruciating pain and this loud crunching noise. And I wasn't sure what happened anyway. Nothing bad happened. I've had three biological children since, since I'm, I was fine. But I tell you that in so many ways represented for us, a lot of what took place those early years is just poorly managed conflict Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't get bit by another horse, so that was a one-time thing. But for really for us, that became our hard season mm-hmm. that we really had to figure out. You know, how do we how do we work through this? How how, how do we survive mm-hmm. the conflict that wasn't going well? Yeah, it was the first of many hard seasons that we've been through in 31 years, and somehow, some way, by the grace of God, we find our way to the other side. But you can also be very intentional about how do we view these hard seasons and how do we manage the hard seasons. Yeah, and Aaron and I are excited today because we're going to share some of the tips that, that we learned. You know, now we've been married 31 years, and w- what did we learn from those mm-hmm. hard seasons? Mm-hmm. We're also going to hear later on from Christian counselor Carrie Aho about how couples can heal together after a tough season 
or a hard loss. And really, again, that that's what we had to learn to do is coming out of a really hard several seasons early in our marriage. How did we heal from that? We'll also hear a question from one of our listeners. She wants to know what she can be doing for her husband as he is really struggling through a rough season in his life. But first, Greg and I had an amazing conversation with Levi and Jenny Lesko about how they worked on their marriage and went through one of the hardest seasons of their lives. They're authors and founders of Fresh Life Church. So let's listen to the conversation with Levi and Jenny. One of the things that you guys talked about, and I really love this, is you compare marriage to a campfire. So real quick, describe kind of that analogy for us and why that that can make such a difference to view our marriage as a campfire. Levi's the king of making fires, so I'm going to let him handle that. (laughs) I I cannot (laughs) Well, we do do a lot of fires, and we love it, but I think one of the things... You can't just have these big logs. You know, you, you, I, I love to split wood. It's one of the greatest exercises, you know, the lumberjack workout, right, where you're splitting logs and you end up with these big, big pieces of wood. But you can't, just, you can't just approach it like that. And I think sometimes we think, especially you know, the illustration is, is regarding sexual intimacy, but it kind of works on all, all the different levels. Um, you know, we think about sex as far as here's, here's these big logs, you know, date night, Friday night, you know, the trip away, the hotel night, um, makeup sex, whatever it is in your mind, uh, as far as putting these logs in. But it's not just the 7 o'clock on the Friday night where the logs are going to just all spontaneously erupt in this huge show of, of warmth and heat. You have to really take the little things, the pine cones, the little pieces of, of newspaper, um, it's the little kindling, it's the little log. And the more you do that, one match can literally have a blazing fire if you've carefully built it. And that takes time and it takes a plan, it takes organization. So, you know, we, we think in terms of, of intimacy, like, am I putting kindling down for, for this fire? You know, the, the old adage, sex begins in the kitchen. And so the idea of the kindness, the, the towel I pick up and put on the bar, the, did I make the bed? Am I, Going out of my way to, you know, I, I could just go on my day, but I, did I stop and make a coffee and bring it to Jenny? And and it's not just, of course, acts of service or any of those other things. It's it's just, I think it's a generosity with eye contact. It's, hey, I, you did that, and I was so grateful. It's the little thing you say thank you. It's the text message at 2 o'clock between meetings and thinking of you. All those things kind of can really put together an amazing fire with all the little pieces in place. And then, you know, one match, and it's great. And it's because you've been working towards it. Not not with the pragmatic, you know, selfish mentality. I'm not trying to say, like, you, you get your game right. But to some degree, I think it is. It's that small little, you know, thousand paper cuts, but in a good way. Mm, it's so good. I love the analogy. Yeah, I think it shows that, like, um, the little things matter. Because I think so often it's like, oh, it's just, it's the big thing. It's the big show. It's the big date. It's the big getaway trip. It's the big marriage conference you go to. It's the, you know, but it's like, it's actually these little tiny, mm-hmm. tiny things that maybe would even go um, unnoticed if they're not made aware of or if our eyes aren't looking for it. It's like maybe there's a wife who's like, well, my husband just doesn't do anything good. It's like, well, actually, there's probably some tiny little things that they've done that you could make a big deal out of and would probably make them want to do them more. You know, it's like mm-hmm. the little, like Levi's really good at like, hey, um, how are you doing and giving me like looking up from his book or looking up from his computer or whatever. And it's like, I know, okay, he's actually giving me 
quality time at this moment, which is one of my love languages mm-hmm. and being aware of how your spouse like receives and gives love. It's all those, the, just the little things, the little things matter, the little kindling matters. It's really flirting. It's, and I think we tend to flirt a lot when we're trying to, you know, get them right. in a relationship. We forget other. to flirt years in, right? Yeah. 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 And I would say, gosh, it's amazing after 30 years of marriage, how much it means like when Greg does bring me a cup of coffee or he makes the bed every day. And that is such an an act of love to me. But so often we can get so conditioned and expect it that, oh, he's going to make the bed. That's what he does. Or he is going to bring me coffee because that's what he does versus just taking the time, like you guys are saying, just to notice it. And notice the small things, because that is really what it can impact our heart so much when we do take time to notice those things. It's interesting because you guys use the campfire analogy as the, you know, as intimacy and marriage. And we're working to build it, even with the small things, with the kindling and the the pine cones and on and on. The lighter fluid. That's what I was thinking the whole time. <laughs> yeah. Just throw lighter fluid on yeah. it. <laughs> I have often used the analogy as well that so often there are these little campfires that won't go out when we've tried to put them out. And they're the history of the relationship and the pains and the hurts in the relationship that have caused that keep, you know, sparking up. I don't, Levi, you might be able to tell me the right term for that, but they won't go out. And so often when couples come in, they smolder. smolder. That is the exact word I have been looking for. And, you know, why are they smoldering? What is it about these campfires in the past that aren't going out? They stay alive. And in essence, we keep that pain alive within our relationship. And so many times I'll say, let's go back and look at those smoldering campfires that are, aren't are going out and are causing distance or disconnection, fear. Even, you know, some people are like, we don't want to stay married. And, you know, what is it in those campfires that's keeping them alive? Well, in, in wow. the, I like how you're saying that. Mm-hmm. For you guys, so for Jenny, how did you guys then manage kind of those little smoldering embers from continuing to flame up um, when you guys lost your daughter? Because you lost, your daughter was five years old, if I saw that right. Yeah, I cannot even yeah. imagine yeah, what no, you guys went either. through. Yeah. Well, I just, what I'm hearing is the small little smolders could be like the little foxes that Mm, proverbs talks mm -hmm. about like be careful of the little things that can come in that are not the good little things but the bad little things and like that maybe the things from your past or the things that are maybe sinful tendencies or whatever it's like beware of the little things that can get in and actually destroy your relationship Mm. and um and i mean gosh uh Lenya going to heaven 10 years ago, it's like um, that, honestly, I mean, we went through our hardest, the hardest thing we've ever been through. Um, But at the same time, it was like, Levi and I've talked about this, like, we would say that we feel so healed. And yes, we're always going to walk with a limp. And I hope we never, like, especially traveling, I'll do a head count. And I still, even after all these years, I'm like, someone's missing. And I hope I never, I hope I never like get over it. I hope I never like stop aching. And, and, um, we talk about how the ache of heaven, the ache of Lenya leads us home. Like we're always going to have that eternal heart, eternal perspective and everything. 
I think it's, it's that seemingly being a quote unquote big thing for yeah. us. Yeah. Um, God has healed our hearts. Like there's, there are moments and we both, it's different for both of us. There are moments of the ache being bigger, but I feel like we've really opened ourselves up, letting God heal. And I think it really went back to those early days where we would just be honest with how we were feeling. Cause I think so often when you're grieving and you're hurting, you just kind of clam up. Like even our, our oldest daughter the other day was like, it's just easier to be mad. I, I'm sad right now, but mm-hmm. it's easier to just cut you guys off and it's easier to um, shut people out. And it, we were like, yeah, that's actually so true. It's easier to just put up walls than to let them down and show show the ache and show the pain and show the the struggle. And so I think for Levi and I, it was something that was hard to work through, but those little moments where maybe one of us was really having a hard time, the other one was not, like being honest about that, saying, oh my gosh, today's today's a struggle. Today's hard. I'm mm-hmm. I'm feeling sad. I'm feeling mad. I'm frustrated. I, I hate that you're having a good day and I'm having a bad day. Like just letting our letting our guard down, I think really helped the process. I think mm-hmm. um looking back, um, sometimes the little things can be harder than the big things. So the little smolders, like mm. like I already said this, it's something I'm still struggling through and, and trying to let God work in me of my tone and not having a a tone of frustration or a tone of, oh, I can't believe you didn't do this or frustrating tone or whatever. It's like th- that little thing can totally change Levi's day. Like if I'm talking to him in a tone that's disrespectful or frustrated, that changes so much for him. Like he, that that hurts him. And so me being aware of those little foxes, those little smolders of, oh, that's that's how I, I saw my dad talk to my mom. But that's like something that was way in my past. And it's like, Lord, heal the things that maybe I brought into our marriage. Heal the things that I struggle with. Heal the things that are the little foxes that can destroy our relationship versus the little pieces of wood that actually fuel it. That's such good advice. And, you know, as I think about it, you know, what is it that we can intentionally do amidst seasons of grief as well as, you know, really influencing our marriage garden, you know, those little foxes that can creep in? What can we be doing to battle that? And one thing that we often talk about is, you know, taking time to be intentional about sharing feelings, sharing at that deeper heart level. And doing that every day, becoming disciplined in this is what is happening inside of me, and especially amidst the season of loss, being willing to offer that to your spouse in ways um, that aren't harmful. As far as when I'm triggered, I might be screaming what I'm feeling, but that is not super helpful because really the other person is going to have a hard time leaning into that. So being intentional about setting a time aside that we can check in and really share from the place of openness. Yeah, because what's interesting, just hearing you say that, Mm -hmm. I mean, we're not in a season of grieving you know, some big loss in our life. I mean, we always have those little small losses and things like that. But to hear you say, 
to really lean in and and talk about emotions it, it what's funny is it's it, it like causes anxiety in me my first thought was well when would we do that and how would we do that and do we have time to do that and you know that seems so overwhelming and once we start talking about feelings when will that end? But we do this. No, I, but I know we do. We it do in, I'm just saying in a way it. that you don't. You don't like me to ask you like, how are you feeling? So we have our own creative way of highs, lows, and need to know. And really, what we end up sharing are feelings, but also inner life material. Yeah, and I was just aware of as you said that 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 it created some angst in me. Mm-hmm. Going, I I can only imagine. That, that you might be feeling, oh, you know, we're, we're in a bit, yeah, we've gone through this huge loss. I can't imagine how to do that. Mm-hmm. And that's what I, I really like that, that you're talking about. Think of a time where you can sit down together and mm-hmm. do that on a regular basis to maybe where you just, you, you book in that and say, hey, let, let's talk for 10, 15, 20 minutes mm-hmm. about this, mm-hmm. but really talk about the emotions, mm-hmm. but then kind of cap it mm-hmm. at that. Because it's just funny that it struck me as like, oh, man, how do we do that? And when would we do that? And and yet I like that that being more intentional on Mm -hmm. scheduling, it feels Mm -hmm. like that that helped me not feel so anxious. Oh, good. Good, good. What's your one thing? What would you say? (laughs) Um, That... Just to be aware that, you know, for you and I, as we've gone through seasons of loss, um, we get triggered at different times. Mm -hmm. And there's times where I feel like, man, we've gone so far in this journey. We maybe should be, should be further along. And then all of a sudden something happens and I get triggered and it feels like it takes me back to square one almost. Like I've been climbing this ladder and now he slipped and I'm all the way back, you know, on ground floor. Which, which isn't the best way to look at it that way because we, we will get triggered. Mm-hmm. And what I appreciate, Aaron, about what you do for me in those moments is that you just let that be okay. Mm-hmm. Like you don't say, you don't judge it. You know, why didn't we talk about this a week ago? You know, haven't we just dealt on with the this? Inside. Oh, good. Yeah. <laughs> well, good. We'll keep faking because you fake well. But just being able to give each other that place of, you know, I'm not going to judge it. You're you're triggered. Whatever the grief has now come back up. I'm just going to lean into that. Yeah, and it's looking at, I wonder what is getting triggered? What is going on when our spouse is reacting? And it's just putting that hat of curiosity on is often what I say. And, you know, when people get triggered, it's not an indication that you're back at square one. Couples will come in and they'll say, oh, yeah, it's all blown up, you know, and we we slid all the way way back. And I'm always like, well, I'm sure it feels like that, but more than likely, no. Because as you continue to walk forward and heal and grow and change, you can never go back to who you once were. Because you're different. Right. And that's really what Levi and Jenny were talking about. And so, if you know, if you'd like to get a copy of their book, The Marriage Devotional, then we'd love to send you a copy for a gift of any amount. Yep. And you can check the link in the show notes for all the details. So now we're going to turn to a conversation that Greg and I were privileged to have with Carrie Aho, who is a counselor here at Focus on the Family. And we had the privilege of hearing about grief and loss, including her own personal story around the loss of their son. 
Well, we're excited to have Carrie Aho, one of our Christian counselors here at Focus on the Family, just to really help us better understand grief and, and that whole process and how we can stand by our spouse and, and assist within that process. So maybe Carrie, the place to begin or, you know, what are some of the common ways that a spouse will, will grieve as they're going through whatever loss they've experienced? I think, first of all, I'm really glad that you guys are talking about this because, as your listeners may or may not know, between 80 and 90 percent of marriages fail mm. after they've had a loss of a child specifically. Um, yeah, why? so why is that? So if, mm. if that, that's high, 80 to 90 percent, mm-hmm. what's going on that causes the, the demise of that marriage? I think we'll get into that more and more, I think, throughout this discussion in the podcast, but I think a lot of it can be because of the way we grieve Mm -hmm. um, and unhealthy grief cycles and unhealthy ways of coping. And we'll talk about this more, but one of the things I think spouses can do is project their grief or their anger or their disappointment onto their spouse. Mm -hmm. And that ends up creating even more isolation after the death. And so they're not coming together in their grief. They're actually moving further and further apart in their grief. Yeah, so such a big disconnect. Right. Yeah, so what would you say, as you think about that unhealthy cycle, the unhealthy grief cycle, what would you say is healthy grief? What would, how would you define that? I think, um, again, listeners may be familiar with the cycles of grief or the stages of grief. I mean, these are kind of stereotypical ways that we all grieve, no matter what that reason for grief is. Um, that would be denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. Mm. So all of us move in and out of those stages of grief. And um, we do it sometimes without even thinking about it. It's Mm. an adaptive strategy that we do to try to make sense of our world, to make sense of what has happened. And in some of it, it's a way to try to protect protect our own hearts too. So I'll say that as a foundation, that's that's pretty common. Um, what we may not necessarily realize as a couple is that each one of us may sit in one stage of that grief longer than mm-hmm. the other. Mm-hmm. Right. Some of us yeah. may skip a stage in that grief longer than another. And and I want to say, you know, what we're talking about here today can sound really clinical. Um, and it is because what we're presenting is some tools and some strategies that people can kind of lock into and hang on to um, when things really feel out of control mm-hmm. and when their mm-hmm. own emotions feel out of control. But I also want to say, I'm going to weave a little bit of our own personal story and our personal journey into that. And Aaron, as you know, um, we lost our son to an accidental drug overdose eight years ago. Mm-hmm. And we lived this. Um, mm-hmm. And one of the things you know, I want to note in that we were talking about the stages of grief I sat in anger for a very long time, Mm. and my husband wasn't angry at all, Mm. not at God. I was having a spiritual crisis. Yeah, what was that like for you to be angry and to have your spouse not be angry? I think it takes a lot of grace and a lot of patience. I Mm. think... um, you know, he didn't fully understand. And mm-hmm. and really, in any crisis in his life, my husband's default is not to be angry at God. I literally don't think in his whole walk as a Christian, mm-hmm. he's ever been angry at God. Mm-hmm. Maybe angry, maybe angry at a person, but not at God. Mm-hmm. Wow. I was really struggling more with what I really believed about God, mm-hmm. what was true in his word. Mm-hmm. I really went into, you know, kind of a spiritual crisis. And that's also common. A spiritual mm-hmm. crisis or maybe even an existential crisis. A spiritual crisis meaning... God, where were you? Mm. Where are you in this? What's true about your word? The existential crisis, if you're not familiar with that term, that's where you can really move into this place of 
feeling like life has no meaning anymore. Mm. Mm. You have no hope. It's just empty. Um, and, and people will move into that stage um, somewhat because of the depth of the pain and the grief. Yeah, because that losing a child, that's a, you talk about an indescribable pain. Unthinkable. Yeah, really, mm-hmm. absolutely. Mm-hmm. Other people may have an existential crisis, though, because they're not dealing with the pain. They're sort of burying it or not not talking about it and not dealing with it. And so they can continue on in life really having an existential crisis, not really that's what they're having because the root of it was that they never really dealt with the grief appropriately mm-hmm. or healthily. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what does that look like? So if, if someone is dealing with that in an appropriate kind of healthy way, what, what are they doing? One of the things I really say, and my husband would, would agree to this too, is we talk about the, how the stages of grief sort of happen, whether you want them to or not, and they're pretty common and we all, all right. deal with it. But there does come a point in time in your grief process where you need to walk with your grief and mm. you need to engage in that grief process. And, you know, sort we'll talk about that more. Into it. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. There's sort of you have to kind of purpose yourself yeah. um, to actually kind of work through it. If, mm. if for people like me that really had a spiritual crisis, if you sit in that place, you can get stuck. Mm. And getting mm-hmm. stuck hurts you. It hurts your walk with the Lord. It definitely hurts your marriage. And it's mm-hmm. going to hurt your family, your friends, your relationships. You know, it has this ripple effect. Mm-hmm. So after walking through that, Carrie, what advice would you give to a couple? Like as they're walking through a loss or grief, what advice would you give them to really come together and to really care for each other's feelings and, and care for wherever each other are at? Mm-hmm. I think also going back to just remembering that you're all you're going to be at different stages at the same time. So working together looks a lot like having a lot of grace and a lot of mm. patience. I think another thing is communication. And I know you guys talk a lot about this in ministry. It's what on the top five reasons for divorce, sure. uh, bad mm-hmm. communication. So if communication was a struggle before the death, mm. communication is going to be excruciating after the death. So how do you get around that? Well, in, in let me see. The, is yeah. it when you say communication? Is it the difficulty of talking about their emotions and what happened and where are you at? Because I imagine they're still having to communicate through, you know, who's going to pick up this, you know, this who's and that. Cooking dinner. I, I imagine yeah. it's they can still do the tactical right. communication, right. but it sounds like it's more of the more inner life. Like, w- mm-hmm. what's really going on for you? Yeah, and some of us are external processors. Mm-hmm. Thankfully, actually, both my husband and I are, are fairly external processors. Oh, I'm slightly more more internal than him. So um, I I think if you're somebody that doesn't externally process your emotions, this may sound cheesy, but if you've never thought about journaling, now would be a really good time mm-hmm. to start. And it doesn't have to be eloquent. It can be, I'm angry, I'm hurt, I'm sad. I'm confused. It can be these really just, you know, basic thoughts and emotions that still share in your heart and where you're at. So maybe you you share what you've written with your spouse. You're still showing a reach to one another to try to understand where the other person is at really in their grief. So, you know, I think the written word can be um, can be really powerful. This may sound sound trite, and I really don't want it to, but it is very important. Stay close to Jesus um, and invite him, invite the Holy Spirit into your grief. Wow, that was powerful, powerful stuff. And what's so amazing is that Carrie had shared that I was in Bible study with her, you know, eight plus years ago. Yeah, I had no idea. 
I just can see the transformation and just the Holy Spirit just oozing out of her. But she's walked this road intentionally and well. Yeah, and, and I'm sure such wisdom. Yeah, there. yeah, and I'm sure it wasn't pretty all the time, like she said. Oh, no. But whose process is. And just such knowledge and wisdom. I'm just dumbfounded, blown away. Um, but I'm so grateful that she's willing to share with us. You know, one easy tip that I've learned as I've walked the loss of my mom, 16 years today, your dad, yeah. we just passed his seven-year anniversary, that one thing that has been super helpful, because grief can sometimes feel so out of control, that a real easy tip is to schedule your grief mm. because life goes on all around you. It's not, again, this isn't always going to be nice and tidy and pretty, but being intentional about setting time aside to grief, you know, add it to your calendar that from 8 to 8.30 every morning, I am going to sit with my journal and, you know, talk to God about what part of this are we going to deal with today. Mm. Even if you're stuck in that angry phase, you know, just being able to sit down and go, okay, God, here I am. What is it that you want to do in me today? And start writing. And I say, don't edit it. Just write whatever comes out. And if you're angry, be angry. If you're depressed, be sad. You know, what, wherever you're at in the in the grieving process. But then when that alarm goes off, the timer goes off, close the journal and say, I'll be back tomorrow. Yeah, put the lid back on. All that grief, it's there. Yeah. It'll, it'll be there it'll tomorrow. It'll be there waiting. And I like what you're saying um, about the journaling part. Um, I'm really have never been a journaler except for those seasons that I've gone in for counseling. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you know that I have this journal that mm-hmm. it's so interesting just to reread that and, and mm-hmm. to see where I was at all along the my own personal healing journey mm-hmm. in life. Mm-hmm. And well, I actually bought you the it. journal. You did. That's and true. And I look back on that and I was like, what was going on? It was interesting because I don't know why I bought the journal. I knew you were going away on a trip. And I even wrote prompts. You did. In it was like fantastic. questions and conversation starters for you and you. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it really was helpful. And I think the reason why journaling is such a powerful part of the healing process is think about if, if you're running to the store and so you need like nine or 10 items, mm-hmm. if, if you don't write it down, then you're going to have to constantly be running through the list. Oh, that's right. I need eggs. I need bacon. I need whatever. Mm-hmm. But if you write it down and put it on your notes on your phone or whatever, I need these 10, 10 items, then your brain doesn't have to keep rehearsing and replaying all that. Mm-hmm. I think journaling, right? Well, really they say does the it's same the, the hand brain connection that as you're writing it out, your brain can then relax. Yeah. And it is That's much like going to the grocery store that you don't have to replay right. it when you have the list, except if you're me and I lose my list all the time. So then <laughs> so I've got it. I keep telling you, I, put it on your phone. My brain relaxes and then I get in the store and I'm like, wait, I don't have the list. So now my brain has phone. to rear up again and try to remember everything. Yeah. Yeah. But it is, it's so true. Journaling can be so effective. And, you know, just surrounding yourself with godly people who can handle walking in your grief with you and even being clear with, you know what, if you, if somebody says something or does something that doesn't feel safe to your heart, 
It's just like being courageous enough to let him know like, hey, next time it'd be real helpful if you just sat with me. You don't have to say anything. Just be with me. It means the world to me that you'll sit with me yeah. or pray with me or I need food. <laughs> Bring me food. <laughs> Bring me meals. Well, now um, I'm hungry. So thank you for that. Yes. So it's really, I think, in, oftentimes when you're grieving, you don't know what you need, but you know what doesn't feel good. Right. You know, or when I know when you said that statement about, you know, you'll see him again in heaven, that sounds nice and, you know, smooth, but really that hurts me right now. The season that I'm in, that hurts me. Well, that's what I love that we hear focus on the family. We have amazing counselors, Christian counselors mm-hmm. like Carrie. Yes. And so if you're going, well, that's the exact journey that, that I'm on. It doesn't have to be the loss of a child. It can be mm-hmm. whatever loss that you've gone through. And I would love to talk to someone and just begin this journey of towards healing or I'm stuck as I'm in the midst of this well, journey, please call. You can talk to an amazing counselor, but then they can also refer you to a counselor in your area. And so they can help you kind of get a game plan of what do I do next? Sometimes it's so overwhelming amidst a massive loss. What do I do next to walk this well? Yeah. So give us a call at 800A, the letter A, and then family. And uh, you can then sign up for one of those consultations, free consultations with one of our Christian counselors. And like Aaron said, we can also help you find a counselor in your area. Well, now we're going to move on to our weekly Q&A. And this is the part of the show where we answer your burning questions about marriage. Please send us your questions. We love your questions. This is how we can best connect with you. So go to crazylittlethingcalledmarriage.com and click the button on the side of the show page to leave us a voicemail. And if your question gets answered on the show, we're going to send you a copy of our book, Crazy Little Thing Called Marriage, 12 Secrets to a Lifelong Romance, for free as a way of saying thank you for listening and reaching out to us. Well, today's question comes from Hannah. And she asks, my husband and I just went through a huge loss in our lives, and I'm really having trouble understanding where he's at in the grieving process. So what should I do? What what questions should I be asking? Mm, It's hard when you have two different people walking through the same loss, because the experience more than likely is going to be very different for each one, for each person. And isn't that the case with with anything when we walk Truly. through through life together, yeah. that your perspective, your set of feelings, even your recollection of what's happened could very well be very different than mine. Right. And so it's allowing room for both of you, Hannah, both of you to grieve however you your heart needs to in healthy ways. And there's different stages of grieving. You know, most of us have heard those, you know, between denial and anger and bargaining and you know, eventually getting to acceptance. But of course, wouldn't it be nice if it was a nice, succinct little journey yeah. that we know, like for the next two months, we're going to be in um, anger. Yeah. But while I'm in anger or I'm struggling, Greg might be experiencing something very different. Yeah. And that's really what I hear you saying is to really respect the way, Hannah, that your husband's grieving. Mm-hmm. And as Aaron's saying, no, we don't grieve the same way. In, in addition, it, it's tempting to want to put a timeline on grief. And yet there's no way that we can do that. So really, you know, I think it's so helpful to avoid pushing yourself or, 
or your husband to overcome grief within sort of a set amount of time. Mm -hmm. And if your spouse is feeling different things, experiencing different emotions, you have the opportunity to show up and validate your own feelings. Because again, feelings aren't right, wrong, good, bad. They are just information. They're the voice of your heart. And so really being able to validate that this is just what I'm feeling. And it's okay that it's different than my spouse. It makes sense that I'm feeling angry today. And I know that I'm not going to be here forever in this specific emotion. But the best thing I can do is name it and validate it and let it be okay. That's just where I'm at. Yeah. And so and at the end of the day, I think... What Aaron and I are encouraging you to do is let your husband's heart grieve in mm-hmm. whatever way it needs to. Mm-hmm. And as you come alongside of him, just continue just to ask him just about what's going on inside. So I, get, mm-hmm. I guess that's what I'm curious about is, Aaron, as you work with so many couples, is there a would there be a great question that you think would be good that couples can ask each other through that grieving process? You know, I think it's always helpful, you know, go for a walk and, you know, just to check in like, hey, you know, give me three feeling words of of what you've experienced in the last 24 hours. That's good. And you can even pull out the feelings wheel, (laughs) which is something you can actually Google and download. It's just a three circles of feelings, all kinds of feeling words, and they're written out. So there's options right there. And, you know, just asking and which is going to help you identify what you're feeling. But it's also going to help um, your spouse identify what they're feeling as well as give it a voice. And then it also brings that connection yeah, so amidst literally the emotion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or we could attach it into the show notes. So That's look true. for that feelings wheel. It's a, it's a great little tool. Well, thanks, Hannah, for your question. And look out for your copy of Crazy Little Thing Called Marriage. And if you're listening today and have a question for us, please contact us. Go to crazylittlethingcalledmarriage.com and click the button on the side of our show page to leave us a voicemail. Thank you for joining us for Crazy Little Thing Called Marriage. We hope that we were able to help you understand some practical steps you can take as you experience a loss. Yeah, and and we're going to continue the conversation with Jenny and Levi next week. So be sure to like, uh, listen, subscribe, wherever you listen to podcasts. We want you to have a seat at the table every week like we did today as we help equip you and your spouse to have a lifelong satisfying marriage we also want you to keep growing spiritually both as an individual and together so that you can invest in other couples to help them have thriving marriages thanks for listening we'll talk with you again next week about this crazy little thing called marriage Is your marriage holding on by a thread? For deep hurt, you need deep healing that only comes from the Lord. And you'll find it at a Focus on the Family Hope Restored Intensive in Michigan. Our licensed Christian counselors will help you and your spouse get to the root of your issues in just three to five days. And it works. 80% of the couples are still married two years after attending. Learn more at HopeRestored.com and talk with a trusted advisor. That's HopeRestored.com.